Good morning. This is Allison Josephs on Jew in the City Speaks. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a sad week this week in uh, in Israel. Um, I'm sure everyone has been reading about the um, the massacre that happened in Harnof earlier in the week, um, and. It's been really just a sad um, few months for the Jewish people, news out of Israel, you know, sort of um, rising anti-Semitism around the world. Um, I wrote this week um, on JewInTheCity.com, I think uh, something that I saw an old Mexican proverb that kind of gave me a little bit of comfort in the midst of this uh, darkness, really. I was trying to actually find something maybe in the weekly Torah portion to uplift me and nothing that I saw there was quite connecting with the current events, but I saw this Mexican proverb that said, they thought that they would bury us, but they didn't realize that we were seeds. Um, And it just sort of reminded me how the Jewish people, um, we've gotten knocked down again and again um, and how we have picked ourselves up even in the darkest times. And um, I knew we can read more about uh, that on JewInTheCity.com, not just how we are figuratively like seeds, but actually that we, in a way, are literally like seeds. I'm not going to give away too much more, but you can check out that blog post there. Um, and Hashem should comfort all of the, the mourners um, in Israel and around the world. Um, without switching to anything too happy, too uh, suddenly, we, we had a guest uh, scheduled for today um, who uh, is, is a great guy. Um, I first found out about this gentleman, I'm trying to think how long ago, probably about seven years ago or so. I did not realize he was Jewish, but my husband was in law school and he's from California and likes the outdoors. And I think he was just sort of feeling like too much inside, too much pouring over his books, was sort of, you know, dreaming of going off somewhere exotic. And so he discovered this show called Survivor on CBS, where people would on purpose leave the comforts of home and just go to an island with no food, no shelter, no water. I mean, like completely insane. And he said, isn't this so cool? Isn't this so fun? And I said, no, that's like the worst nightmare I could ever possibly come up with. My husband, on the other hand, like thinks this will be the greatest adventure ever. So anyway, I stayed in the comforts of my home and um, (laughs) he has too. He has not gone off to have such an adventure, but he sort of did it vicariously watching this show. And one of the people that we saw on this show was uh, probably one of their most famous winners, a guy named Ethan Zahn. So there was, after Survivor was on um, every Thursday night, we would watch on Friday morning Survivor Live, which was like a recap of the show. So we first got introduced to this guy, Ethan Zahn, um, on Survivor Live. And, um, you know, I didn't think too much about him, just seemed like, you know, one of these crazy people like my husband. And then something kind of interesting happened about a year and a half ago. I was on a program in Israel called ROI. It's part of the Schusterman Foundation where they take, you know, kind of young Jewish leaders, if I can call myself young still, I'm 34, um, and help support them in whatever causes they're working in. So I was selected to be part of this community. So it's an incredible thing to be a part of. They uh, flew me to Israel, to Jerusalem for a week to a conference. And maybe on the second night that we were there, there was a comedy show. And the comedian, who was hilarious, made some sort of comment and then said something about, and Ethan's on. And the spotlight went into the crowd. And suddenly there was this guy there that looked just like that guy, Ethan Zahn, that I'd seen on TV. And I thought to myself, that guy is such a dead ringer for Ethan Zahn. How funny. Anyway, later that night, I was tweeting about the ROI conference, and a few minutes later, the real, actual Ethan Zahn retweeted what I wrote, at which point I said to him on Twitter, wait, 
that was actually you there tonight. I thought you were a lookalike. So that was kind of a weird thing. I wasn't sure am I going to bump into him again. There were hundreds of people at the conference. Anyway, the next day, he showed up to a talk that I was giving on social media about how to grow your brand and get more following, which I thought was super cool. And one of the lessons that I gave to people um, in my talk was that um, anything connected to a celebrity will automatically go more viral. It's whatever people are shallow. It's just how it works. If you post something with a picture or some sort of story connected to a celebrity, you're pretty much guaranteed that your post will spread more. So to follow my own rule, um, at the end of the uh, seminar, I said to him, can I get a picture to post with you on Facebook? Because as I just explained, since you're a celebrity, this will go further. Anyway, so we started chatting then. He mentioned that he likes wise sayings. I said, oh, actually, you know, there's a lot of wise sayings within our, uh, you know, Jewish texts. So I started emailing him and we started up a nice friendship and um, he came for Shabbat. And anyway, so um, we're going to bring Ethan to uh, to chat with us a little bit today. And I'm curious if he remembers how we originally met, if he knows my side of the story at all, or when he first realized that um, Allison Josephs of Jew in the City was in his life. So let's let's bring Ethan up on the line right now. Good morning, Ethan Zahn. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So, nice. um, you know, you've been interviewed, like, all over the place, television, national television, reality TV shows, and, and now you've made it to Jew in the City Speaks. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, your time has finally come. So before this is you it. Came... After this, there's nothing left. I, don't, I may want to hold off a little longer on this interview. I probably, I mean, you might just, yeah, need to just sort of revel in the, you know, the sheer excitement of it. So before you came on, I was um, recalling how I first came to know you and meet you. Do you, rem- do you remember how we met? Do you have any recollection of how we first connected? I do. I think we met at an ROI event in um, Israel, and I went to your session on social media. How and was it? I, I think that's it, right? Yeah, it was, but I'm saying, how was it? Did, did you learn anything? Was it Was it useful or... Um, yeah, it was, it was useful. No, uh, you know, I was just more interested in learning more about you in the city than the social media side of everything. Uh, really? I didn't I know that. I did Oh, wow. So you were already kind of curious about what we were doing at that point. I was, yeah, I definitely was. Do you remember that I wanted to take a picture with you afterwards? I do. I because do. My, my rule was that, um, cele- uh, anything with celebrities goes, uh, spreads more. <laughs> oh, so you were actually even already interested, but do you remember about that we tweeted the night before you retweeted me? I may not remember that part of it. Okay, so what I just told people, I'll remind you, I thought that you were actually a lookalike. I did not think it was actually you at, um, at the ROI <laughs> conference. Then that night before when there was that comedy show and they said something about Ethan's on and they put the spotlight on you. So I was like, that guy is such a lookalike from the guy from Survivor. Crazy. I had no idea that Ethan Zahn was Jewish. Um, so then um, I tweeted something about ROI that night and you retweeted me and I was like, what he's here it was and then when i saw you show up to my um to my seminar the next day so you were already interested in doing the city a little bit that's so so what can i ask you like what were you kind of curious about or like what kind of intrigued you like what what are we doing right ethan's yeah well i mean i had you know obviously looked through the little uh you know facebook book they you know gave us to, and read everyone's bios but yeah so because my mother the, my mother's side of the family is orthodox Hasidic. Uh, they live in, in Brooklyn, and so I just didn't know much. I, you know, growing up, I didn't really necessarily know much about that kind of um, 
I guess, side of my religion. You know, I grew up as a conservative Jew. We went to some of their bar mitzvahs and weddings, but we we're kind of a little bit, I'm not going to say the outcast, but, you know, we weren't as, you know, or, you know, religious as my cousins. And I was just curious to see how you were kind of bridging that gap and kind of, you know, make, you know, kind of erasing some of the stigmas associated with being ultra religious, I guess you could say, because it's a part of my family and it's kind of a part of who I am, but I didn't know really much about it. Huh. I'm really enjoying the fact that I'm learning something new here um, as we're recording this um, because, yeah, I had, I had no idea. I guess I never asked you such a like self-conscious question. No, you How didn't you ask me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, um, so ha- has Jew in the City, has like, you know, you know, you've seen our videos, articles, talking to me, any of this stuff, has it um, changed any of your perceptions or ideas or shown you some, you know, things you had never seen before about the Orthodox community? I think so. I think talking to you personally has helped me more than kind of anything I've necessarily seen on your website. Or, but, you know, I think your mission and what you guys are trying to achieve is pretty awesome. You know, I, you know, I definitely had some stigmas in my mind about you know, even my family members, right? And, you know, that it was a little bit untouchable. It was not for someone like me, even though it's my religion and I grew up Jewish. It was for kind of another type of Jew. But I think you've helped kind of, I don't know what the word is, but maybe blend it or soften the the differences between myself and, you know, ultra-Orthodox Jewish people, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I'm definitely, look, you know, the I had an interesting conversation with a, a producer of a, a hit television show a few days ago um, where I said, like, how come Hollywood never depicts us in a way that's not quite so unlikable? Like, is it possible to show maybe, you know, something, I don't know, a little bit softer or more appealing? So he said, well, either you're just like us, at which point, you know, you're no different or you're very different than us. And then, you know, maybe we want to dig you for that. So what I said to him was, is it possible to show that we do things differently, but to at least try to, you know, somehow put it out in a way that's understandable, even if a person's not doing it for themselves, to maybe show that the elements or some of the aspects of the lifestyle are something that could, a person could look at, a person with a, you know, a normal, uh, you know, head on their shoulders could say, I could respect that even if it's not for me. So I think, I think that's what we're trying to put across and admit when there's challenges, there's for sure challenges, um, being an observant Jew, it's not always the most convenient. There's parts of the Torah that are challenging to understand in 2014, but yeah, does, does that make sense? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I think you're doing a great job at that. Thank you. Now you were, um, when, when you were, you know, and you've opened up kind of my eyes to, you know, introduced me to a lot of people and, you know, got me involved in a lot of your projects, which I would have never been involved with before. Like this big event you got coming up on what, December 2nd, is it? December 2nd. December 2nd. I was psyched for that. I went last year for the first time and now I'm going to come again. Awesome. So I, I loved it. I had a great time. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're uh, we're pretty excited. We're we're expecting a pretty large crowd at um, Museum of Jewish Heritage. Did you think that Orthodox Jews could have so much fun? Like I'm saying, when you came to our event last year and it was like <laughs> red carpet and like great food, great wine, like great music. Like, did that sort of were you expecting more like Hava Nagila? I I mean, I, my only kind of connection is a Jewish, a you know, a Hasidic Orthodox wedding or bar mitzvah. So yes. I was expecting a little bit of that type of, of an event just because that's only that's all that I know. Yeah. But I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, you had a Lotkey bar, which I'd never seen before. That was pretty awesome. 
It's a lot to buy. Do you remember that? Yeah, we, we're bringing it back because oh, it's yes. popular. Yes. It, Ethan, it's all you. We're, they're going to be fried on the spot, the latkes. We're actually oh, doing, yes. <laughs> we're doing something else pretty exciting. Do you, do you know the Israeli term for a donut on Hanukkah called the sufganiyah? You heard that term before? I have. Okay, so we're doing a mashup. Everybody loves mashups. So, you know, cronuts are very in. So we're doing like a latka sufganiya mashup called a latganiya. And nice. they're going to be Is that frying a potato up donut? Fr- what? Is it a potato donut? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be like made out of kind of like a cakey type of material, but then like fried up kind of like a latka. So they're gonna be frying those up on the spot, and then we're gonna have a bunch of different things to dip them into as well. So is it a sweet thing or a savory? It's gonna thing? be it's gonna be sweet. You're gonna sweet. you're gonna be right. in the latka line for savory, and then when you're done, you've eaten your nice meal, then you'll move on to our latka bart for something uh, sweet, fried up. Great, I'm down. <laughs> you're down with that. All right, I'm gonna start fasting now. You, you should definitely. And speaking of fasting, so you, how hungry were you on Survivor? <laughs> uh, I was quite hungry on Survivor. You know, it is uh, definitely one of the things mentally you have to overcome on the show. Uh, but you know, over a little bit of time, you kind of start getting a little less hungry, just because it's just a, it's just an aching pain that's going on inside your body all the time. At first, your body's in shock, and you're like, oh my god, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. Then it kind of subsides a little bit, and every now and then you could win food, you know, and those, you look forward to those moments. So you had this pretty cool, dewy food-winning moment. I just rewatched the clip again uh, today before I had you on, so it'll be fresh in my mind. Can you tell them... Um, kind of what went down when uh, something was offered, but you chose not to eat it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I went out to play Survivor, I really never thought that my religion would be, uh, you know, a big part of the story. And it really came into play a few times out there on the show, and I can get into more detail later. But specifically what you're talking about is the there's a food auction, the famous Survivor food auction, and I, I pulled my money together with another guy. His name was Big Tom Buchanan. Big Tom comes from a town of about 24 people, and Tom was an interesting guy because Tom had never, ever met a Jewish person before, and I had never met anyone who's never met a Jewish person before. That makes sense. And so we pulled our money together, and we bid on this mystery plate of food, and the host of the show, Jeff Probst, comes out, and he has this mystery plate of food. It could be a big pile of elephant crap or it could be a big beautiful meal and he unveiled this plate of food and all I see is a big fat piece of ham and Tom jumps up out of his chair and he's like he's a Jew he's a Jew he won't eat the ham he won't eat the ham it's all for me he's a Jew he's a Jew and you know I was laughing about it he was laughing about it and but later on I actually got criticized for rejoicing about the fact you know and Tom got criticized for rejoicing about the fact that I was a Jew and we need the ham because this is a little bit derogatory in the way he was saying it. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't necessarily see it that way. You know, I, I could have gotten angry and tried to vote him off and gotten pissed off because he was kind of being, you know, a bigot. But I yeah. saw this really as an opportunity to do exactly what you in the city does. Like, I saw this as an opportunity to educate Tom about the foods we eat, the holidays we celebrate, the rules yeah. of our culture, the, you know, the concepts of our religion and values. And so that was a really cool moment for me, um, which could have been a disaster if you think about it. Wow. So, so your mom, so your mom had some traditional stuff that she held over from her Orthodox upbringing, like no ham growing up. That's Correct. What you know, in the house we kept kosher and out yeah. of the house, I definitely cheated. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but in the house we kept kosher and our family members kept kosher. It wasn't until kind of, I started kind of, just living on my own that it got away from me. But for yeah. some reason, you know, you know, not eating pork products 
and uh, shellfish is stuck with me, you know. Totally. I hear that. So um, it's interesting because um, do you know what the term Kiddush Hashem means, Ethan? No, educate me. Yeah, okay. Here, we're going to do some Jew in the City stuff right now. So it, it literally means to sanctify God's name. And like if a Jew was doing like a mitzvah in public, like, you know, telling the truth, returning a lost property, um, eating kosher, something like that, like in a way that's publicizing, um, that's called a Kiddush Hashem because God gets sanctified when kind of his people are doing something good for the world. Um, conversely, when a Jew, you know, uh, embezzles money or abuses someone or something like that and it goes against the Torah, that's called a Chil Hashem that's desecrating God. Um, so anyway, I spoke to someone recently who is the, at the top of a pretty big Jewish organization. I won't mention which one. He is a, an observant guy. He said that when he was watching your episode and he saw you do that, he turned to his wife and he said, oh my God, Ethan Zahn just made such a big kiddush Hashem. He's going to win this show. He, he, he called it right then and there. He said, wow. this guy's going to win. I wish yeah. I had known at that moment I was going to win. I, but hey, I know, right? It was all because so- of him. Without him, I would not have won the show. Were you thinking at that point in the show? Do you remember, like, if you had a good shot? Or, you, like, how, how like, confident were you feeling? <laughs> at that point in the show, there's still a lot of people left. But I thought I was doing pretty well. You know, I had a good alliance going on. Um, you know, but what a funny story about the whole kosher thing is earlier, before this ham moment on the show, there was a challenge where we, it was a gross food challenge. So the challenge for us was we had to drink a giant, like, uh, pint glass full of cow's blood mixed with cow's milk, right? So at the time, I was like, yeah, I'm down. Like, let's do it. And I just did not even go through my mind that that's kind of probably the most unkosher thing you could (laughs) drink in your entire life. And I was giving a speech at my shul, and, like, I was sharing a story about the ham, and then after we were done, this little girl asked a question. She's like, well, didn't you drink the cow's blood and the cow's milk? I was like, oh, my God. And I looked over to my rabbi. He's, like, nodding his head. He's like, it's okay. He's like, in times of survival, you know, your religion comes second to your actual survival on this earth. Wow, that's also, but I'm saying like even being able to just get that down, that's just a certain level. I, I can't even, it's true. It's called, so that's a term called pikuach nefesh, that if it's about, um, uh, you know, saving a life, then you can basically uh, break almost any commandment. So, but I, I, I don't know. I might, I might want to just end it there, Ethan, and uh, <laughs> do the, the cow blood because, uh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Um, okay, you fine. You would like so, shrivel up and, to, and, and like disintegrate if that happened to you. Wait, what do you say about disintegrate? Say that one more time. I said you would probably shrivel up and disintegrate if you had to drink cow's blood and cow's milk. Exactly. My husband tries to just, like, get me to go on a hike. Like, that's his version of Survivor, just, like, getting me off the couch. And he's like, let's go into the woods. We, like, went for this summer. We went for a hike. And I was like, oh, no, like, my Facebook is not working so well because we're, you know, not in such good... uh, Whatever and that's why up. when you came to me with your cool cartoon, uh, Green Eggs, No Ham, it just made so much sense to me to get involved, you know, for so many different reasons. One, it was just kind of a nice anecdotal story that goes along with my time on Survivor. But, yeah. you know, I kind of uh, was the guy in the cartoon. You know, I was just kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, not super interested in Judaism, and I got away from it as I got older. And, you know, my... You know, I was eating, wasn't eating kosher anymore, and then, you know, you call, and then I get transformed by meeting someone like you. It's kind of like a little bit of a true life story within that cartoon that you created. So Aww, I thought it was really cool, you. and I was honored that you asked me to be the voice of the, the kind of non-Jewy, Jewy guy. 
Oh, well, first of all, don't say non-Jewy, Jewy. Don't ever say that. Let's let's okay. use instead someone that didn't get a chance to explore it. Let's give everyone a uh, a little um, background if they haven't seen Green, Green Eggs No Ham. When this okay. uh, interview is over, please head over to JewInTheCity.com to watch it with my co-star Ethan Zom. Um, basically, we took the concept of Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham and the idea of the character that is sure he doesn't like what uh, the what Sam I Am is offering um, and has prejudged it and has, uh, you know, rejected it. And we replaced it with Torah learning, with praying, with keeping Shabbos. And so I was Sam I Am, and uh, Ethan was the guy that was ready to reject without trying. And he ditches high holiday services. It's boring. I mean, it's so boring if you have not put anything into it. And so um, I jump out of the computer since I'm a cartoon and I can do that. And I uh, sort of challenge Ethan's character to explore Shabbos, to delve deeper into Torah study, to find out what the prayers mean. And then with, with more knowledge, with more experience, form an opinion and ultimately decide on your own what you believe what you want to practice, but at least do it with, with knowledge um, so your decision is educated. Did you get any feedback from anyone after you posted it or appeared in this season? Or? Yeah, I did actually. You know, I, you know, I did the normal social media roundup, and you know, a lot of uh, my family friends enjoyed it. Um, you know, my brothers and my nieces and nephews, you know, they all watched it and they loved it. You know, I don't know if they got a more kick out of me uh, <laughs> being a cartoon or, you know, the messaging, but I got a message from a couple of my um, guys from the Maccabi games, and they loved it. You know, everyone thought it was a pretty cool concept. I personally wish it could get more widely distributed in some strange way. So if you're listening, go and watch it and share it with everyone you know, because I think it's a, it's a fun way to uh, address a, a pretty important issue. Awesome. Thank you so much. It really means, you know, when someone like you has had, I mean, you've been on pretty big platforms before. So honestly, like, I was hoping that you would say yes, but I wasn't sure, like, am I just this, like, annoying Jewy girl that's not leaving you alone? And so when you <laughs> said that you wanted to do it, I was like, score. I didn't, so. say, I didn't say that. You are annoying and Jewy, but I, I still like <laughs> to be involved with you. Um, what's it called? So we're, uh, just maybe to, to wrap things up a little bit, I want to just like, uh, give you a chance to talk about some of the stuff you're working on. Like you're, I feel like so much of what your life is about is about giving back is about, you know, helping people. You've, you know, gone through some personal struggles yourself. You used your million dollar win on Survivor to, to help others. I mean, it's so inspirational. I don't know if anyone else in Survivor's ever done that before. I feel like Jeff Probst said maybe you were unique in doing that. Can you tell me a little bit about like the projects that you work on and how you know maybe your your Jewish upbringing and heritage has impacted um, how you've chosen to to give back like that? Sure. Uh, how long do we have? Oh, oh you know. No. Um, so I mean, before I was actually on the show Survivor, I, I lived and played professional soccer in Zimbabwe, and while I was there, I kind of just saw firsthand what was happening with HIV and AIDS, and you know, I was just destroying this community that I was now a part of. And at that time of my life, I didn't really know what I could do about it, so I didn't really do anything about it. I said, it's not my problem. Someone else will deal with it, and I kind of went back to my normal life. Fast forward to Survivor, and I got back to Kenya, about back to Africa, but this time to Kenya, and I won one of those reward challenges, and I won these two goats, and I got to go to this little village, and right before I left the village, I was hanging out in the parking lot of a hospital, little called Wamba Hospital, and I was playing soccer with all these little Kenyan children. And before I left, I ended up throwing my soccer ball to one of these little Kenyan children, and they smiled, and they laughed, and they had a wonderful time. And, you know, I asked one of the nurses why these kids are just hanging out in the parking lot. 
of this Wamba hospital. And she told me, well, these are all the kids that are HIV positive. So here I was in the middle of this game, you know, this cutthroat game of Survivor, and I had this real-life experience. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of at that moment I decided that something had to be done. And just because of my love of the, the sport of soccer, and I had played before, and I just saw, I saw the impact of when I gave this little Kenyan children my soccer ball, like his eyes pop open, his jaws drop, and, you know, it's just like a toy to me was a luxury to this little kid. And so in that instant of handing it over, I began to understand kind of, you know, that saying, you know, to make happiness real for others is really one of the greatest gifts. You know, you provided me with a quote for one of my speeches. I think it's more than a cat wants to drink, his mother wants to nurse. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's better to give than it is to receive. And I really think that's how we can all begin to heal the world. And so I got back from the show. I got a million bucks in my pocket. I got 15 minutes of fame. And I started an organization called Grassroots Soccer. And Grassroots Soccer uses the power of soccer to educate, inspire, and mobilize communities to stop the spread of HIV and AIDS. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's my and- major project. And uh, we just started in Zimbabwe. We're now in 23 countries, and we've graduated over 690,000 kids from the program. Whoa. We're we're gonna try to um, reach that many people as you in the city too. That's incredible. Almost seven hundred thousand people. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And um, so now, so tell us a little bit about. Um, you're also involved in sort of like cancer awareness and you know sort of helping people that are are struggling through that because of your own struggles. So that's is that more of like I'm saying is grassroots soccer more like your day job and then the cancer stuff is more of like I don't know a hobby or how, how would you how like how do those things fit in? Am I saying it right? Am I saying it completely? Yeah, I mean, I think I just like to take on the biggest like uh, global pandemics this world has to offer. Awesome. <laughs> AIDS and cancer, right? Um, so now I think I mean I give equal time. I mean, grassroots soccer is my baby. It's my passion. It's my love. But you know, I don't have HIV. I never will have HIV. You know, I speak on behalf of those with HIV. So there's just a little bit of a disconnect, but I do know what it's like to walk into a doctor's office and sit down and hear them say you have a life-threatening illness with no cure. I know what that's like. Yeah. So now it's kind of my what I want to do in life is just to do everything in my power to make sure other people don't have to go through that situation, and whether that's HIV or whether that's cancer, and then preventing new infections or helping people live healthier lives to prevent cancer. That's kind of my goal in life is to really just... <laughs> I don't know, do whatever I can to just, you know, make this world a better place. It's so cliche and lame, but it's just kind of, I, I, there's research studies that show that focusing on the plight of another human being literally makes you heal. It makes you feel whole again. And um, I think that's just kind of a good way to live your life. Look, so um, if we're going to get into a little more Jew in the City teaching here going on, if you want to sort of sum up the, the essence of life, the purpose of life according to Judaism, it's to be close to God. And the way that we get close to God, according to Jewish thought, is to become God-like. And the way to become God-like is to become a giver. And that's really the essence of it all. God gives to you know his creations everything. I mean, from every breath of air to every step you know that there's ground under our foot to walk on, everything is given. And so um, those chills that people get inside when you know they see that story of someone helping someone who was low down and sort of raising them up and giving them hope and you know loving them or caring for them when no one else would. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, those kind of like warm, fuzzy chills or whatever. So yeah. I think that what we experience in that moment, this is my theory at least, is that that's your soul. That's your soul kind of being, um, you know, kind of uh, shaken there because that's your spark of godliness right there. So, you know, the fact that 
you didn't have the, you know, um, strongest Jewish education growing up and you, you know, were drawn to that. A lot of people can say that cliche, oh, the, you know, the idea in life is to give back, but you're living that, Ethan, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's uh, it's one thing to say, but uh, I think it's uh, in Perkeavot, you said you like good quotes, the ethics of the fathers, you know, uh, say little and do much. So um, you're... You're doing a lot, and we also appreciate you uh, saying some for our for our show today. And thank you so much for uh, for joining us. You have a very busy schedule. You're flying all over the world, and um, we appreciate your support and your interest and um, and and your friendship. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always an honor to be involved, and I okay. look forward to seeing everyone, including you, Allison, at the Jew in the City event, right on December second. Yeah. On the red carpet on December 2nd, pick out your outfit. Uh, Ethan, I'm going to be in BCBG. Oh, um, we'll see what you're going to be in. And, I, heard, um, I heard you have an outfit surprise that it won't re- reveal to the world, but I heard you had some nice uh, fitting ceremonies. I did have a, a nice BCBG fitting ceremony. Yes, exactly. I'm excited. Okay, um, Ethan, be well, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's always interesting when a radio host gets to learn things about a friend um, while she's on the air. Um, Some of those questions that I asked Ethan uh, that you just heard before, I had never actually asked him before. I had kind of been wondering, but a lot of times you don't just sort of like self-consciously ask someone, you know, why are you friends with me or why did you start talking to me? So it was sort of fun to um, get the chance to interview Ethan to learn that information and maybe I'll use this trick on some other friends of mine. Um, anyway, if you'd like to meet Ethan or me, we're going to be having a shindig in a couple weeks from now. We still have some tickets left for the public and the way that you can get yours is at jewinthecity.com slash ojallstars. That's jewinthecity.com slash ojallstars. Um, And we look forward to celebrating with you and uh, the Orthodox Jewish All-Stars that evening. And we'll uh, catch you here, same time, same place, next Thursday morning. Bye-bye.